Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Aria Hawani, back with an exciting edition of the Wednesday pod. It's UFC 252 Fight Week. Of course, on Mondays, DC and Hawani, we spoke to Daniel Cormier. Today, we're talking to one half of the co-main event, the Sugar Show himself, Sean O'Malley, ahead of his big fight against Marlon Chito Vera on Saturday night in Las Vegas. We'll also talk to Chris Weidman coming off his Massive win on Saturday, his first UFC win, by the way, in three years. But before we get to all of that, I want to let you know that this week's episode of the Behind the Bets podcast with Doug Kazarian features MMA handicapper Matthew Holt, who gives you all the insights you need in case you plan on placing a couple wagers on UFC 252. On top of that, I encourage everyone out there to download and subscribe to ESPN Daily because... You might just see an appearance from yours truly in the very near future. Stay tuned for that. Behind the Bets, ESPN Daily. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. On to today's show. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Back in your life. Wednesday, August 12, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the show. And as always, we are presented by Modelo. Modelo Especial. Root for those with a fighting spirit. So, my friends, we are finally here. UFC 252 Fight Week, August 15, 2020. Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. It is going down in Las Vegas. We are just days away now. And for me... As I alluded to on Monday, you know, I actually got a little emotional. I, I don't know if a lot of you realize this, but I got a little emotional as I was talking to Daniel because uh, it feels like the fight camp for this particular fight, his retirement fight, coincided with the launch of our show, DC and Hawani. And as I said on Monday, at the beginning of all of this, you know, back in March, the beginning of the pandemic here in the United States, those were dark times. And... I think doing the show with Daniel helped me, helped me laugh, helped me look forward to something. I think it helped a lot of you based on some of the, you know, the the feedback that I get. I, I'd like to think it helped him as well. And we just kind of went through it together and we saw him a little bigger and then start to lose the weight and travel to the events. And I don't know, I'll, I'll never forget this this fight camp for him. Um, obviously, I've, I've been following his career for a very long time. I've said this story a few times. First time I ever talked to Daniel was back in 2009 prior to his uh, Strike Force Challengers debut against Gary Frazier in Oklahoma. Uh, I was set to interview him. Mike Framowitz, the Strike Force PR head, uh, reached out to me to interview this guy named Daniel Cormier, who was a two-time Olympian and a, a great collegiate wrestler from Oklahoma State University as well. I didn't know much about him, to be honest, because I wasn't a big amateur wrestling fan, but I knew he was a big deal. And I was set to interview him, I think on a Sunday, and my computer broke. So I went to the Apple store and I did the interview from the Apple store and typed it up from one of those free laptops that they have just laying around on those tables. Uh, That's when I first met him. And on the phone, when I first met him in person was several months later at a Strikeforce PR event, a media event where he was uh, in town in Chicago to uh, corner his friend King Mohammed Lawal. You may have seen the video. We, we uh, recreated the WrestleMania 6 finish. It's a great video. You can find it on YouTube. And afterwards, he asked me to go have lunch with them. And I said, oh, no, I can't have lunch with, uh, with fighters. That's, that's just not my thing. That's not what I do. You know, it's, it's, uh, 
it's against every rule and the journalism books and all that stuff. It's unethical. And he said, you know what? You're going to be my friend one day. It is my mission to make you my friend. And one day we will be friends. And look, I'm a human being. I have emotions. I have feelings. I have, uh, you know, I have uh, connections to people and whatnot. And, uh, you know, here we are. We talked for many years about doing a show when he retired. The pandemic happens. It gets expedited. And, you know, I I can't hide the fact that we are friends. Um, And I say that to let you know how I feel about the fight on Saturday. And I say that to let you know that I'm not necessarily rooting for Daniel because I have a ton of respect for Stipe Miocic. I think he's a tremendous human being. I think he's a mensch. I think the fact that he still works as a firefighter is incredible. He's always been very kind to me. It's just a weird fight. Um, it's his. It's Daniel's retirement fight, and and he's fighting a guy that I have a ton of respect for. It's it's a weird one for me. I'm a little anxious about it. I don't know what I'm going to feel, um, but this is definitely a weird one. And uh, it's it's been incredible, you know, covering Daniel's career since that moment in 2009 when we talked at the Apple Store up until this point, all the ups and downs. Uh, you know, and, and, and now hopefully in this new chapter, we're going to get to do the show together for many, many years to come. And we'll have more on that in the future. But uh, yeah, this is a weird one. Uh, I spoke to him on Tuesday. Uh, he called me via FaceTime in his hotel room. He was lying down and he had bacon on his tummy under the covers. He's lying down in the hotel room and there's just bacon lying on his stomach uh, with no plate, no nothing. That's Daniel Cormier. That's the daddest man on the planet, just lying down, eating bacon in his hotel room a few days before he's about to fight in his final fight for the UFC heavyweight title. It's a it's a wild story. And uh, I'm just honored to have known him and covered him. And I'm a little bit sad, I will admit, that I'm not there uh, in Las Vegas covering his final fight. Obviously, we'll be doing it from home this time around. But uh, yeah, this is a weird one. It's, it's a weird one, but uh, hey, I think Daniel Cormier is going to go down as one of the greatest of all time, regardless of what happens on Saturday, and, and I can't wait for it to happen, and then I can't wait to move on and, uh, you know, close this chapter. So without further ado, first up, Sean O'Malley, he's fighting on the card as well against Cheeto Vera. He has a massive fight, of course. He's been on a roll uh, this, uh, this past year with two big wins and had that time off recently and uh, has made up for... Uh, all the time that he lost due to the uh, USADA suspension and whatnot. And of course, he's going up against Cheeto Vera, who's his toughest test by far. That's the co-main event on the pay-per-view, which of course you can buy on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. It's available for subscribers for $64.99. You can visit ESPNplus.com slash PPV for more details. Here's my conversation with Sugar Sean O'Malley. And now it is a great pleasure to be joined by the man who will be headlining UFC 252 on Saturday, the one and only Sugar Sean <laughs> O'Malley, who goes up against Marlon Cheeto Vera. I wasn't sure if you would catch that. Oh, I got it. Mind, you are headlining the event on Saturday, yes? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I respect the DC trilogy, the DC Stipe trilogy. I feel like they're just both main events. Fair enough. You can have a co-main event. You can have a people's main event. Uh, I, I feel like you moved up the card. Originally, I don't feel like you were in yeah. the co-main event slot. Is that accurate? That is accurate. I, when, a, when the card first came out, I think I was opening up the UFC again like I did last time. So I went from the main on the prelims to the beginning of the pay-per-view to the co-main event. So I think it's a nice, natural progression. Did you raise hell? Did you uh, move some mountains? How did this happen? I don't know. I don't care to be honest is, you know, until I'm, until I'm in the, in the main event. Um, well, I don't want to say I don't care because this card is pretty legendary. I think this is a sweet, sweet spot for me to be in. Usually I don't, I don't really care where I'm at. I, I do think this is 
awesome being right before Steve Bay in DC. Um, but I didn't say anything. I didn't care. I, I did text Uncle Dana though um, after I saw that it was official. Cause I, the countdown crew came out and they're like, "Yeah, well, you you only do countdown for the co-main and the main event." I'm like, "All right." I mean, I don't think I'm the co-main. They're like, "Yeah, they don't, we don't know. We just get told what to do and we 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 do it." So that's how it worked out. I like it. I think it's a smart move. You've got all this momentum. Now there's a few things I want to address because since the last time we spoke, a lot has happened. New contract. You got one, yes? Yes. Are you happy with it? I'm happy with it. I mean, it's hard to uh I am happy with it right now. You know, they lock you they get you in those longer fight contracts and, and it's kinda like you know, it's, there's there's not a lot of negotiation there. That's why John Jones, Jorge Masvidal, that's why they're in those longer contracts. You know, you get what you want, but then you go out there and knock the next dude out. You knock the next dude out, and then you're like, I'm worth more, but you're still in the same contract. Uh, but I, I have a really good relationship with UFC. I think if I do go out there and, and keep performing the way I am, I don't think I'm going to have to fight out the full contract because after a couple more KOs, the way I, I plan on knocking out Cheeto, I think uh, I'm going to be worth, you know, even more. My stock goes up. The cleaner the knockout, the more stock my goes, uh, the more stock I go up. So um, I am happy with it right now, but ask me uh, August sixteenth, and I'll probably say I'm worth more. How many fights is this new one for? I think it was, I think it was six or seven. Oh wow! And and you yeah. did this one on your own? Yeah. How was that? It was good. I think uh, you know Sean Shelby and I sat down and we talked about it and and came to a came to an agreement and you know there wasn't a lot of room on the on the the how many fights and and stuff but i think like i said i think we have a good healthy relationship and you know if i keep blowing up you know they're gonna they're gonna want to pay me more they i feel like they're gonna pay me what i'm worth um and i think it'll it'll all end up going good You, you seem to have um a great interest in the business side of things which i think is really smart especially for someone uh, your age, because obviously you do the streaming stuff, which is lucrative. Uh, the contract stuff that you talked about being your own manager, which you've talked about as well. Also the merchandise. I, I, I noticed that you're rocking the sweatshirt there. The jerseys, was it, what was it? 39 seconds. You sold 2000 jerseys. Is that accurate? No, I sold 100 jerseys for oh. $200 and 39 seconds. And then we auctioned off uh, number 69 and 420. And those both went over for over 2000. So the jersey sales were insane. They're all getting shipped out today. Um, so they should all get them before the fight. Yeah, th- those went fast. That was exciting. Why Why those two numbers? for the, Just joke. I'm just saying it's, it's a bad joke. But, uh, who designed that? It looks, <laughs> it looks really good. I, I really like the Celtics kind of style, right? Yeah, I think each fight, you know, I want to kind of do a different vibe, a different, uh, a different color. But, yeah, that was kind of the, the, the green, the Irish – but next one, I want to switch it up. You know, I, I just got done watching The Last Dance. Michael Jordan got me fired up. Um, we might do this, something like that next fight, but we'll see. Do you have any recollection of that Jordan era? Or is this no, all new? No, not at all. That this was like, totally new to me. Wow. You had, nothing, yeah. you had no idea about any of that stuff. I knew who, obviously knew who Michael Jordan was. Uh, Pippen. I just never, I, I've never watched basketball. Basketball was by far, hands down, my favorite sport growing up. Never watched it, wow. but I, I, I love to play it and I played for a long time, but I just never watched it. I didn't realize how big of a stud Michael Jordan was. And, and I love his mentality, his mindset, his competitiveness. And, and I kind of, you know, I watched it this fight camp and it fired me up. 
you finished it all six uh what was it six, ten. no 10 episodes oh yeah i finished it i was yeah. trying to make i was only letting myself watch one a night and uh because i could have binge watched that i was just fired up yeah no I, I can imagine as as an athlete about to go into battle to watch that and see that kind of drive and 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 what he had going inside is is probably very inspirational so the jerseys are killing it and is this all you like do you have a team now do you have like a sugar sean team or is it just essentially you doing all this stuff the design like how, how do you at such a young age you continue to see, like again and i know i'm kind of jumping around here but like the way you announce this fight people don't do that like no one does that and i've never understood why they just allow the ufc to put out a tweet or this that and, and like you made a whole big production you're sitting on your throne that just makes the fight seem bigger it makes the fight seem more important where is this all coming from is this all you or do you have a team now working with you to do all this marketing um those kind of ideas that was just to me it was just common sense i have a i have a sweet chair i have a sweet youtube <laughs> setup and i have a fight to announce so that was just for me it's just kind of you know, I'm just kind of letting my creative flows go with the with the whole Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, all that stuff. Um, as far as the jerseys, um, we, we worked with someone, and for the merch drop, we're working we're working with uh, Killer Merch. So, and they just sent me we so they're this act all the merch. I think there's two hoodies, um, three shirts, and a hat or something that are all dropping tomorrow at 10 a.m. So I'm super excited about that. That's going to be kind of the official drop. The jerseys were just a limited edition. Um, so those were, those were kind of its own thing. We're going to do that every fight, but, uh, but I'm really excited for this drop cause it's, it's the official drop and, um, it's the more affordable kind of, you know, the stuff instead of the $200 jerseys. And now the hair, obviously it's a nod to where, uh, Marlon Vera is from Ecuador. You, uh, you dyed your hair, the colors of the flag. Where did that come from? And, and do you think that you, uh, may have pissed him off by doing that? I don't think so. If I did, he's a pussy because it's just I'm just showing I'm just showing showing some love to my Ecuadorian fans. That's it. that's all it is. You have I a big fan base there. there. No, what's that? Okay, <laughs> you have a big fan base there. Probably, I feel like I truly have a big fan base everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, it's it's insane. When I go live on Twitch, it's hey greetings from anywhere you can think of. Everywhere, people. You know, it's insane. That's what's so crazy about about the UFC and, and them giving me this opportunity and this platform to grow a, f- a worldwide fan base. So this was a fight that was going to happen, um, you know, in the midst of all that drama that you had with USADA. Did you feel like, okay, I need to get over this one in order to move on? Like, was this one that was gnawing at you that you really wanted to have booked and, you know, see out because you were supposed to fight him early in your UFC career? A little bit. I thought that was um, a little bit, kind of, kind of not. I just think it's an. I mean, it's a perfect next fight. You know, I think him and Eddie were supposed to fight. Him and Eddie Wine were supposed to fight. Um, got scratched, what three, four months ago. Um, I think Cheeto beats Eddie, but I think uh, so. It's just a nice progression. Um, Vera's six and zero in his last six, five finishes. He's never been finished. Um, you know, I think it's just a perfect next fight for me. And he's better than Eddie was. And I th- like I said, perfect next progression fight in, in, uh, on a sweet card. Do you agree with the sentiment that this is your toughest fight to date? Yeah, 100%. And, and you feel as though, okay, um, Marlon Vera, maybe, you know, he's, not gonna, he's obviously not going to get you a title shot, obviously. But like after this one, we're talking about only the big dogs here. Like, do you feel like this is the last stop before the big dogs? I think it depends how, how the fight goes. If I finish him like I, like I have been finishing people, 
a hundred percent. You know, if if I go out there win a boring decision, which I I just don't see. That's if I if I if it's a decision, regardless if it's exciting or not, I don't think I get that next big big fight. If I go out there and put his lights out like I plan on doing, yeah, I think I get I get a big fight. What what does he do well? What does he do that impresses you? He he's got good grappling. He's a black belt in jujitsu, and, and he's good at getting punched. He's you know he's really good at getting punched. <laughs> Some might say it's that's a skill. Not, yeah. So you're you're saying he doesn't move. He doesn't move his head. He's kind of a sitting target. He's tough. He does. He's never been finished. He's he's okay. good at getting punched. He's not gonna. It depends. You know. I think rewatching some of his last fights and stuff, he he gets hit a lot, but he's not getting hit on the chin. I hit people on the chin. You go mm. look where I hit Eddie. I hit him on the chin. You go look where that uppercut landed against Jose Quinones. That was right on the chin. Um, I've been knocking people out since I was 16. I hit him right on the chin. I'm not a big guy. I don't hit hard. I hit fast. I hit accurate. Um, and I have really good timing. So my hands are going to land on his chin. And it's just, you know, you can only take so many shots. Is there a bad blood between you guys? I don't think so. Do you think he dislikes you? No, I, I, I don't know. I, the few t- little interactions I've had with him, or, or it's never been um, bad. I mean, I think I'm sure he doesn't like me, but he's, he's got to like me because he's getting a co-main event spot. He fights anybody else in the division. He can fight Peter Yan, and it's not even a main event or a co-main event. You know what I mean? He's not. He, he fights. He should thank me for the spot he's in. You know, every so often you get a guy in a weight class who gets a lot of buzz, a lot of attention, and he becomes like the most despised guy in that weight class, right? Like everyone calls him out. It seems like there's a little bit of jealousy because of the push and all that. It feels like you're that guy now at 135. Do you agree with that? I think I, think I am that guy a little bit, but I also think they're like, you can't hate on it. I'm just being, I'm just doing my thing. Um, I'm just doing my thing and I'm, and it's funny. Like, I know you saw that Cody, that last post or the one before where I said Cody's stepdad, that shit's funny. I guarantee anybody in the Bantamweight division looked at that and laughed instead of said, Oh, fuck that guy. They probably thought it was funny. So I think there's probably some guys that, that are maybe a little jealous just because I'm getting the push. I'm, I'm doing it, but I'm also knocking people out. It's not just that I'm getting this push, the way I knocked out Alfred to get in the UFC, the way I knocked out Eddie in my last fight, it's, it's not that I'm just getting this push. I'm, I'm putting on the performances you know, that deserve the push. Speaking of Cody, I know you guys have been going back and forth. Were you disappointed when you found out he's going down to 125? I just hope he don't get knocked out. I just feel like he, the chances of him getting knocked out are pretty high. He's not a, I, I, think he, he could, I don't think he'll have an issue making flyweight. He's a little dude. He's not like a big guy. You know, when I seen him, he looks like a flyweight. So I don't think he'll have an issue fighting at flyweight. Um, but fighting Figueredo, I think that's the issue. That dude hits hard. Um, Cody's not. He, he did look improved, though. He really did look improved in his last fight against the Sun Um So, so maybe, maybe he goes in there. And I'm going for him. I'm rooting for him. He's fighting Figueredo. I'm going for him. I want him to win that fight. Um, and I want him to come back up to 35 eventually because I know, I know we'll, we'll eventually fight. And if he gets knocked out... I mean, even if we do eventually fight, it's he's one in five in his last, you know what I mean, or one in f- whatever, getting knocked out that many times. So I am going for him. I hope I hope he wins that fight. And uh, I I thought maybe if I go out there and knock Cheeto out, put him away. I think I thought maybe I'd get Cody next, but that puts a little misdirection in it. But it's okay. I I'm really well, really good at right now. It's fight week. I'm focused on on Cheeto. So 
it doesn't it doesn't matter that he has a fight booked. Can I can I just ask what is the genesis of the the issue between you and Cody? He's a big name in a little dude. I think it's a good fight for me. I just think he's one dimensional. He's got decent boxing, and that's about it. He's got a good, you know. I don't know. I just think uh, we both knocked someone out on the same card. People said who's whose was better. I said mm-hmm. it was mine, which it clearly was. If you, you know, if you, it, it just was, and he it just spiraled from there. Uh, there was no beef before. And I don't, wouldn't even say there's beef, really. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird in this in this industry in this world. Um, I don't I don't hate him. I don't not like him. I'm just I would knock him out in in, in the business that we're in. That's what you do. So I don't I don't think there's much personal beef. It's just it, I get asked about him a lot, and then I say I'll knock him out, and then it turns into whatever it turns into. We get on Twitter, say some funny things. I enjoy that stuff. So I don't know. Were you impressed with what Jan did to Aldo in July? Absolutely. Jan looked like a killer. Looked beautiful. I thought it was an awesome performance, and I thought Aldo performed very well too. Uh, I don't think Aldo's Aldo's still good, really good. I don't people Aldo's done. He's like, dude, Aldo's just fighting killers. He fought Marlon Moraes, or yeah, and then he fought Jan. So he's fighting the top dudes in the in the division. I thought he looked good. I thought Peter obviously looked better. Busted him up. I don't think Aldo has that five fives in him, that, that, that certain style it takes to go five fives. He's super explosive. Um, and Peter was just better that night. I think Peter beats him, you know, nine out of 10 times. Beautiful performance from, from Peter. Shortly after your, your win in June, as you know, Mirab Devalishvili called you out. Were you at all interested in that fight? I got called out by a bunch of guys. Um, Marab, I feel like we'll fight 100%. He, I know he's fighting uh, John Dotson. He's got to keep winning. I keep winning, um, and we'll we'll eventually fight. But he, that guy, that style where it's kind of just like take you down, lay on you. It's just not. It's obviously a tougher fight for me for sure. Someone that's going to try to lay on you if I don't drop him in the you know in in those exchanges because he's not very he's not very technical. He's just grindy. Um, I feel like we're, we're going to fight and I think he's going to regret wanting to fight me. Um, I'm really good at finding people's chins, especially if they're going to be shooting them. I have high knees. I'm, I'm five eleven, and I, I can, my knees get up there, uh, especially on people I know that are going to be shooting. Um, so I, like I said, I, I believe we will fight one day. Um, and he's going to probably regret calling me out. <laughs> um, and maybe you'll even see him. In in Vegas, yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a funny little dude. Yeah, uh, you keep smoking, I keep training. Or People act like I don't train. I guarantee I'm out training him. Like there's not not a chance that he's out training me inside the gym, outside the gym, whatever it is. I'm not getting out trained. Speaking of which, uh, before we we uh, started rolling here, you said you were watching The Office, right? Yeah. And and as I watched the clips of you training, I felt like you were training in the office warehouse. What yeah. a cool setup that was. So the story, according to Countdown, was you guys bought a cage uh, off eBay because you couldn't go to the gym because of all the outbreaks. And that's like it, that's where you tape your podcast and stuff. That's like a warehouse or something. Yeah. So shout out to Highway 85. That's we, you know, we pay, we, we rent a spot there and uh, do our podcast in the back of the, there's a big ass warehouse. And wow. uh, I told Tim, I'm like, hey, dude, I'm buying a cage. 
we need to f- figure out where to put it because I need to train in the cage for this fight. Um, Marlon's going to try to put me up against the cage and, and do his little trips. So I need that feeling. So it's, we got the same size cage. Um, and that guy said, his name's Guy. Guy said, uh, <laughs> dude, throw it in the back of the warehouse and uh, let's just do that for now and we'll figure out what for what later. But yeah, so same size cage, put it back there and it's been nice. We've done our mitt sessions, our grappling sessions, our sparring sessions, done it all in the cage. Super familiar with the size and the feeling of it. And uh, it, it's helped a ton. Will you keep this up even if you could go back to the uh, the gym? Uh, it, because there's no cage there, right? Uh, there's a cage at the MMA lab, but but we weren't going there. And there's no cage at Tim's gym. Right. Um, those are the two gyms I train at. We heard just some people were getting you know COVID all around Phoenix, and there was some at the gyms and stuff. So I just wanted to completely avoid as much people as possible. Um, but as far as sparring, yeah, I'll, I'll probably continue to spar in my own cage. It's nice. It's it's comfortable as far as um, what time I get to spar. I don't have to go to go to wherever and say, okay, I'm gonna spar. I get to spar when I what with the time I plan. Um, I'll have my partners come in. We have our own music. Someone doesn't have uh, some shitty playlist on. So it's nice. Uh, it's super fun having it having it there. But I'll still still go to the lab and train. How tough are these weight cuts for you now? They're they're the same, you know. It's back to back to back. They're all pretty similar. So uh, no weight cuts easy. You just got to be disciplined. And um, you know, this next couple of days, there's a lot of water and not a lot of calories. Do you think eventually you'll go up to 145 before it's all said and done? I think so. But I mean, I'm gonna completely just go off what my body wants to do. If my body's, you know, if it's like, dude, we're, this ain't happening no more, we'll we'll go up. But but mentally, right now, I feel like I want to, you know, I want to get that belt and defend it. Because you you are so flamboyant, and because you know uh, you have done so well in your UFC career thus far, I almost feel silly asking this question because you don't strike me as the type to be affected by this. But maybe my mind works this way. Do you feel pressure to outdo yourself each time? Like, man, that last knockout was incredible. I have to top this now. I have to do something incredible. Do you think about that sort of thing? Not really. I feel like just my style, and I always say that my style just produces those outcomes. I'm, not, I'm just going to go in there and be me. Then that, That's usually what happens is stuff like that. Um, a decision, whether I win or lose, I'll be disappointed. And I definitely, I mean, you've got to finish the fight. Well, especially with the judges, it's so hard. Um, but finishing, finishing people, knocking people out—that's what I love to do. That's you know, that's hitting the game-winning shot, buzzer beater style. I love, uh, I love knocking people out. Um, I feel like if I go out there and win a decision, you know, I'm going to be jacked. I won, but but ultimately, yeah, I want to, I want to get that knockout, and I want to get that highlight reel knockout. I want, I want it to be on ESPN. I want it to be on top ten. I want it to be all over social media. I love that. I love that just knowing that all the work I'm doing leads up to that moment. So I don't necessarily think about like, I have to, I have to uh, do something crazy. It just, that's just my natural kind of style. And and I just wanted to clear up the Reebok thing you spoke about recently. Weren't you one of the guys that Reebok like pinpointed, like you had your own deal with Reebok. And even with that, you didn't feel like you were being taken care of. You were making, cause like you were one of those guys that had the extra deal, right? Yeah. And even with yeah, that, it was nothing. Um, just the percent you get from the sh- from the merch is just so bad. It's it's embarrassing that it's even 
that's even in the UFC. So I'm hoping Venom will step it up, maybe maybe do something different. But yeah, the it just sucks for you know people should get what they're worth at least. Are you done with them? Yeah, I'm done with done. done with, I want to just you know I want to really just get going on the sugar merch. This uh, mm-hmm. you know there's no reason I don't have my own line and I'm and I'm you know not necessarily promoting other people but why not promote myself and you know mm-hmm. that's kind of how it's been going so oh and by the way why are you uh ghosting ben Askren? i ain't going nowhere to go train i'm focused on i gotta train <laughs> here i'm not trying to it would be it would be super cool to learn from ben Askren and, and you know wrestle with him and pick up you know he's got so many sweet tricks and his his style you know i'm sure i'd benefit a lot but i ain't trying to go film nothing i'm i'm, I'm here i'm working i'm I'm busy. I got so much shit to do here. I got podcast, Twitch, YouTube, you know, I'm, I'm focused training twice a day. And, uh, I, I just got, so I, I have a full-time job with everything. He's very sad. He feels like you're ignoring him. Sorry, Ben. I got too much shit to do. All right. Look at these big ass hands. No wonder these guys are getting knocked out by these that's things. It. That's right. That's right. Look at those paws. He returns and those hands return as well on Saturday, UFC 252. The Sugar Show is back this time in the co-main event against Marlon Vera. I can't wait, man. What a year for you. This is your third fight mm-hmm. since March. Unbelievable. Uh, certainly making up for lost time. This is going to be a fun one. Thanks as always for the time. Good luck. And uh, if all goes well, look forward to talking to you afterwards again. Awesome. Thank you, Ariel. Have a good one. Can't wait for that fight. This does feel like that next. This almost feels in in some respects like Connor versus Diego Brandao. And then Connor got by Diego Brandao and then fought Dustin Poirier. And that's when the big fight started to come. Yeah, the Dennis Seaver one was a little weird, but this feels like, and, and, and maybe that's selling Marlon Vera short because I think Vera is better than Diego Brandao, but it feels like the last stop before the big fights start to come. So we'll see how Sugar Sean Fair is going up against a, a BJJ black belt, a supremely tough Ron Vera, who I thought, again, I thought he won that fight against Song Yudong uh, a couple of months ago. I'm really looking forward to this fight. Uh, the, the the main card is great. Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera, Junior Dos Santos versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike, John Dotson versus Mirab Devalishvili, and we were going to get DC's guy, Iwan Kuchilaba, against Magomed Ankalaev, but we found out on Tuesday that uh, Kuchilaba tested positive for COVID, so we don't know what the fifth main card fight will be um but those four fights on the main card i think are really good i'm really looking forward to seeing the return of Merab as well he's looked really good as of late too now coming up in a matter of seconds is a guy who knows a thing or two about mr Merab devalishvili his teammate over at saralongo the great chris weidman who had a big win on this past saturday over omari ahmedov his first win in three years but before we move on with mr chris weidman Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now here's my conversation with the All-American Chris Weidman. And now it is a pleasure to be joined by the man who was victorious this past Saturday in Las Vegas, the pride of Baldwin, New York, the pride of Long Island, the former UFC middleweight champion, the man who defeated Omari Ahmedov, the unanimous decision, the one and only Chris Weidman, kind enough to join us. Chris, how are you? Congratulations. I am good, man. Thank you. So happy. I know. You look happy. (laughs) Yeah, that smile. Can I ask about that feeling? Um, You know, three years since your last victory, it's all been well documented, but I always, I'm always curious about the, the Monday, Tuesday after, right? What, what is that moment like and how much did you miss that moment? You know, the, the get back home, just sort of enjoy the spoils, be in a good mood. What is that like? And did you miss that now that you're experiencing again? Well, I was like, I had like food poisoning all yesterday. So it oh, wasn't perfect. the greatest time after <laughs> traveling on Sunday, got back, you know, late Sunday night and then, throughout the night and and yes yeah, i had like food poisoning so i was puking and felt like crap uh today i woke up feeling way better woke up early and uh getting ready to start my day and get back on to normal day activities and it's kind of hitting home that you know i got the w uh i'm just super critical of myself so it's not like you know right away it's just things i need to work on and it's just annoying when it's just not the person that i was in you know happy i got the w obviously he's a super tough guy and, uh, you know, all the power to him. But it's just like I wasn't the person I am when I'm in the gym. I think a lot of the pressure and everything got to me. Um, I got tired. I was just sloppy. The game plan was pretty specific. Um, so it was hard to really, like, display my stuff on the feet because the game plan was to get to the legs. Um, it was just, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm critical of myself. But at the end of the day, like, it feels good to – to get a win over a guy who had never lost in the middleweight division and who was on a six, six fight on beating streak. So um, it feels good to be right back in there. But at the same time, I go right back to like things I want to improve on and, and, you know, just things I'm annoyed with, with myself. But the, the pressure comment is interesting because you have been in some really high pressure situations. I mean, dating back to the debut against Sakara, the short notice fight against Damian Maya, of course, the title fights against Anderson and the, the subsequent title fights. How would you compare the pressure going into this one to some of those in the past? Man, this was, um, I, I, I really do a good job of trying to tell myself that there's no pressure. <laughs> but man, now looking back, there was so much pressure on this fight, man. I really wanted this W. Um, yeah, all the doubters and the haters and everyone saying I should retire, no chin wide man, you suck, you know, all this stuff just it fueled me because I, I just know I know my potential. I know that I still have it and I'm still capable of competing with the best guys in the world and beating them. Um based on my training with some of the best guys in the world. And so it's frustrating, but it- there and do it. You know, a lot of the fights I was in there with these, you know, the only losses I've had is against top five guys and you know, I was competitive with all of them, other than the Reyes fight. I'll, I'll give them that. You know, it was, it was too quick to really say I was competitive. Um, but every 85-pounder I've ever gotten got, got against, all the best guys, and, uh, you know, I'm right in there with them. And uh, But you got to win that night. You got to get your hand raised. So it was just a lot of pressure to freaking get my damn hand raised, you know. Um, just a lot of pressure. Mm. Um, were you ner- like in, in the locker room before the fight? How were you feeling? Were you more nervous than usual? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say so. Um, I was very strict with the voices inside my head. You know, I had three key 
things in my head as I walked out to that fight. And I even wrote down on my phone. It was <clears throat> have fun, relax. So basically two things to try to take the pressure off me. And then the third thing was get the legs. <laughs> um, so I guess all that self-talk on trying to focus on not doing, uh, not uh, letting the pressure dictate any anything into the fight was, you know, it still, it weighs on you. Right. So you did get the legs. You won clearly the first and the third round. Some people uh, maybe even made the case that it should have been a 10-8 third round. Why, why disappointed? What, like, what were you unhappy with? Second round obviously was his, but ultimately, like, what bothers you about that fight? Um, all right. So, yeah, I look back at the fight. First round actually was way better than I actually thought. It just feels sloppy. I was, I was, I was um, you know, usually I'm more confident with the hands and I'm willing to exchange more, and it kind of opens up my – my stand-up potential. But with this one, it was like, it was hard because I'd lost fights in the past, you know, standing in that, in, in that range of striking and, and not focusing on the wrestling. Um, so it felt sloppy on the feet. And then I was just kind of slipping all over the place, even on my takedowns. He did a good job defending. Uh, I noticed to be that. Was the mat slippery? I, my, I have, and this is going to sound crazy because I was telling everybody afterwards and they were laughing at me, but I have the worst athlete's feet, and so they're super dry. And, like, actually, the day before the fight, the, the UFC uh, PI crew had to, like, I had cracking in my feet. They were so dry. But they're, like, solid rock. My feet are, like, solid rocks, and they're cracking. And I feel like on that canvas, I was just slipping all over the place. So, like, my goal is to have moisturized, soft feet for the next one because I really need to know. I, I haven't really ever spoke as, as many fights I've, as I've had in the UFC. I've never really spoke to anybody about proper foot care, but I, I think it has a lot to do with like your grip on that canvas because like I'm Aljamain before we, uh, before we started the fight, like he started squaring the, squaring the water on the floor so I can put my feet in it. And yeah, I put my feet in it. It feels good for like one second. And then I'm slipping again. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I couldn't push off on any of my punches. I might takedowns. Like there was a couple of times where, you know, I went from front headlock, I let go of the front headlock, go to my double, and I usually could, like, explode through, but I couldn't get my feet underneath me. It was just freaking wow. – it was a weird, frustrating fight. But would it, anyway, going wouldn't back moisturized fight, feet, though, make it more slippery? Like, if you're, if you're super dry, then wouldn't it be, like, a lot more rigid? So, if you're if, – this is my philosophy, and I okay. could be completely wrong, but on, like, regular soft mats, I feel like the drier feet would be better, like coarser feet. But on the canvas where it's – got that gravelly sandpaper feel already i feel like if your feet are dry and like kind of my feet are so dry that they're like they're like ice ice wow um, huh? ice, ice like pucks like yeah. yeah and they're just sliding everywhere and i feel like if my feet had a little bit more uh like wetness to them or like, it could like kind of go into the mat like uh okay. damn i can't come over the word i'm looking for but absorb i don't know not absorb but damn it just softer and kind of like compressed to the mat easier there was there was no structure of my foot into the mat it just was all over. I, was just, I was just sliding everywhere i don't know okay. if it makes sense but no no it makes sense i mean one yeah. thing, i'm gonna think about this i'm gonna come up with the words to articulate it a little bit better than that but it's not okay. happening right now so okay now back to your assessment of the fight so you were saying first round better than you thought first round was better than i fight than i thought he defended a couple of takedowns uh I, I was able to get to his legs and eventually get him down and, and keep him down for the first round um, it was like about 45 seconds, I think, when I finally got him down and, and he was stuck. Um, that's where I feel like I, you know, get the mount or get to a submission quick there. But 
I wasn't able to. Second round was super, probably my worst round in the history of my fighting career. Um, as far as I got taken down three times and uh, just slipping all over the place. I like, you know, he's connecting on shots. I was kind of, you know, I don't know. You just, I got beat the second round, you know, it was yeah. whatever. I kept going for this new standing guillotine that I'd been doing in drilling. I've never actually done it live. Oh. But I've been doing it and drilling, and it feels great. And uh, every time I was going for that, he'd just run the pipe and take me down. And I was, fuck, I was like, fuck. Um, but all that being said, as bad as the second round was, I did keep – it was a crazy pace. And I was, I was tired, but I knew that – like, I, I just know I could dig deep, you know. And I knew if both of us are tired, I'm going to end up winning. Uh, and uh, so even though I got beat in that second round, I really did set up a dominant third round to where, you know, I think two of the judges had a 10-8. Uh, so it kind of didn't, you know, it worked out for me. That second round didn't put me in a good place in that third round. So, you know, afterwards you were talking about, you know, how you're back and all this stuff and people have their, their different say on that. But to me, like that, that fight was all about just getting the W. That fight was all about just getting your, your mojo, your confidence back, getting on the right track. It didn't have to be pretty. It didn't have to be like a spectacular finish. You know, th- this whole idea that I'm back and the content, yeah, that's all well and good. But to me, get three of those fights under your belt. Get three wins. Get four wins. Just, just get the feeling of getting your hand raised. I think that that's ultimately the most important thing. So that's why I feel like you walk away. You have to be, you know, obviously you're happy you got the win. But like overall, the body of work, you won two out of three rounds convincingly. There was no controversy. I would puff my chest out. I would be happy. Yeah, no, I'm happy with it, man. Um, after the fight, I definitely wasn't at all. And then after looking back at the fight, I see what kind of happened and why, and and see, and I it kind of all worked out for me, you know. So um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to get my hand raised, and I and I think um, uh, not that it was the prettiest, but it, it's a statement that I'm back. Uh, after fighting at 205 in October, your last fight, cutting to 185, how was that? Uh, it was the hardest cut during fight camp that I've ever had in my life um it was very very hard um just because I I just not not that I was dying or anything like that it was just the discipline and eating I've never had to be that discipline in my life um usually when I was fight 85 I'd eat clean you know most days throughout the week and then over the weekends I could have some cheat meals and then I get back on track during the week and I'd be fine getting my weight down to around like 205 and or under heading into fight week uh this time I literally, for a while, for like three, four, maybe, you know, four or five weeks, eating extremely healthy all through the week, all through the weekend, taking down gallons of water, uh, at least a gallon and a half a day, which is help, helpful when losing weight, uh, and working out two or three times a day, burning calories in between workouts. I was, I was at the golfing range, just in the heat, putting myself in the heat and just crushing crushing bowls nonstop and losing like a thousand extra calories in between workouts. Um, my weight was having, I was having trouble getting on the 215. Wow. And then I'm, I, I was starting to get worried and uh, thank God it, like it was so it plateaued there for a long time. And then eventually it got down to like, I hit 210 and then next thing I know it, I was down to like, you know, I got down to like, I got down to under 205 before fight week and the fight week actually went great. But just the whole fight camp and, and staying disciplined with food, I've never had to be that disciplined. I couldn't – I didn't have one cheat meal. Um, I was just – you know, the diet had to be super clean. Um, I think that's probably due to getting a little older and also not making the win over two years. This coming from a guy who lost, like, what, 30 pounds in 10 days prior to Damien Maia fight, this was the toughest cut? 32 pounds in 10 days. But that was 
that was 32 pounds before I ate dinner that night. So I, you know, I kind of was conservative with that number. It was probably like 36 pounds in, in 10 oh days, gosh. to be honest. Because I was 217 before I ate dinner that night. I t- got the phone phone call from, uh, that was Joe Silva. And uh, we asked my manager if there's any way we could do a catch weight. And I was waiting to hear back. And I'm like, I got to eat dinner. My, my wife made sloppy joes. So I was probably like, uh, at least, at least probably gained three pounds, four pounds, um, <laughs> whatever. But uh, that weight cut made me really respect weight cutting. And it, it made me realize like, you could die cutting weight. That was yeah. a very scary situation. That was my opportunity to face my first top five opponent in Damian Maya at the time. And, uh, you know, I just had to, I just had to do it. It was also my first time where I owed money for taxes. It was just a completely different time, you know, and I, I said, let's go. Um, and when they said I can't do a catch weight, I, I was surprised, but they said they'll just find somebody else. I'm like, all right, all right, I'll make it. Let's go. And I was like, you know, weight cut always sucks, but at the end of the day, I'm always going to make weight. So, but what I was going through during that weight cut, like I was blacking out. I could hardly remember who I was. <laughs> To, for the commission and my birthday like all that stuff wow. was super a severe mental struggle longo was crying um the the, the that, towels sticking to you right the static static electricity that was going on i don't know the science behind that but uh yeah when i was doing my weight check the towel they would put it out like three feet in front of me the bottom of the towel started coming up into me and I, they couldn't keep the towel off me it was just wow. the static electricity was like attracted to me and, uh, yeah, it was, I guess I was so dried out. I don't know what, the, I don't know what the hell was going on, but I can tell you, I couldn't stand up. I couldn't, I couldn't really stop blacking out. I was being carried around and, um, I was willing to die. I was crazy. I was, it was crazy. I just was like, I'm making weight. I don't care. I had a strength coach at the time who was like, I seen no, I was still like two pounds over. I went into the sauna and I gained, I did 15 minutes. And it was the hardest 15 minutes of my life. I come out. We step on the scale. I was 0.2. I gained 0.2 of a, of a, of a oh pound, my God. two tenths of a pound. And my strength coach, I seen it. You made weight. That's okay. You made weight. Let's go. I'm like, no, no, I couldn't even talk. But I just went back in the sauna. I was, and Longo was crying. It was a, yeah, it was a crazy time. And that's why I take weight cutting super serious. I don't go into fight week heavy. I, I get down to a weight where like, the nutritionist and everybody uh, who kind of watches over me want me to be. I, I don't mess around with that after that because that was super scary. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, just a couple more things I want to ask you about. Number one, at the beginning of the interview, you said, or I said, uh, I called you as, as most uh, know you, uh, the pride of Long Island and all this stuff. Uh, what is going on here? What is happening? Are you, are you leaving? What is happening? Are you going to Uh-oh. South Carolina? Is this actually happening? Oh, my God. I think the interview is cutting out. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I, uh, I am. Uh, it's crazy. That was a lot of pressure. I, you know, I was, I was I'm in the process of moving. I'm actually closing on the house tomorrow here in New York. And then we're leaving, I guess. We have to be out of the house about two weeks later. Um, we just found the house right before I left uh, for Vegas. We found the house in South Carolina that we are just now going to be closing on. And then we're going to be moving in there in the end of August. Wow. It's in a town called Fort Mill, right outside of uh, Charlotte, but in South Carolina. A uh, great area for families. It's in a golfing community. It's, I'm super excited about it. But I was just in my head, another reason why I won't do this fight. I'm like, man, I don't want moving in the area, freaking losing. losing. I, gotta, we need, I need a fresh start heading any here and, and, and mm. finish and have a W heading into this uh, new life that we're starting, where we really don't know too many people. Like I have two cousins that live close by but they're not in town much and then i have my sister who lives an hour and a half away where like wonder boy lives and my parents are going to be moving out there probably like i don't know in a year or so um they got to figure out their work situation with retirement stuff but um yeah everyone's heading out there and if we're going to do it we got to do it now because the kids are still young i didn't want to move them while they're in you know junior high and high school right um so yeah, we're uh, we're heading out. I'm still gonna be. The, we picked close to Charlotte Airport, so we're like like 15 minutes away from Charlotte Airport, so I could fly back to New York as often as I need to be uh, for the gym and and uh, you know. So you'll still be training, training with Longo like and Sarah and all those guys. Yes, this is the plan. The only curveball is now that Cuomo won't let us open up our gyms, so wow. I don't know how much longer we could keep this gym going without making any money for the gym. Mm. So that is something that we're going to have to make some hard decisions here in me and Longo. And, you know, now he's down for a week, but, you know, we still have to pay rent. And uh, how do you pay rent with no money? Right. You know, and you don't know where the gym is going to come back at. Let's say, you know, I, I put my own money in, you know, let's say $10,000 $10, a month of putting it all in there. And then we open back up and, you know, 20% of the people don't come back. Right. You know, that's, that's, not, good, that's not good business for us. So we have to make some uh, tough decisions to him based on the whole coronavirus thing kind of really put us in a bad situation. You've only known Long Island. How do you feel about leaving? Um, it, it doesn't feel real. You know, I, I'm born and raised here. I went to college here, you know, Nassau Community College and Hofstra twice and, you know, never left. And I never really thought I was leaving. Um, but the reason why I never thought I was leaving is because my family was always going to be here. But then my sister moved out. And now she has two kids and now my parents are going to be moving out. Um, I, I have a feeling my brother might even be moving out at some point. Um, I have co- other cousins that are going to be moving out soon, too, on top of the two cousins that already live there. So, you know, for me, home is where the family is. And um, I still going to be on Long Island a lot training. So uh, and that's what's kind of keeping me sane is that I'm an hour flight. You know, I'm going to be flying back. My wife gave me that's part of, the, of our uh, of the deal is that if we move, 
um, you know, I need to be able to come back and forth and not be an issue. And she's completely on board with that. So that's what's kind of keeping me saying that I'm just going to kind of be here anyway. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I really have no idea what that was going to happen. Hmm. I've been kind of like putting off think- even thinking about it because I was so focused on the fight. And now all of a sudden today really is the day because I was sick the last two days that, oh, shit, I got to think about this. And my wife's telling me I have a to-do list of things I got to pack up and, and things that she's been she's been doing that I haven't been helping with. And I have a lot of work in front of me here, Ariel, in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I feel um, stressed for you. On top of it, I really want to fight again. You oh, know, so, but but to be but I gotta I gotta take care of the family. You know, we gotta I gotta get them down there. I gotta get them settled in, and and I don't want that much. I don't want time. I really don't want too much time off. You know, I'm a little scraped up and stuff from the fight, um, like my knee from the canvas. But I'm ready to start training like next week. But it's gonna be hard to do it with. I got I, I really do have a crazy couple. I guess month. I got probably another month of insane times in front of me. Well, speaking of returning uh, on Sunday. Uh, just unexpectedly out of the blue, your old pal Luke Rockhold hit me up. And uh, he is coming back. He he told me he's coming back at 185 and he seems to be interested in a fight against you. What do you make of this? Who knows? You know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what that does for me. It's a fight that, you know, I get a win back over a guy, but he hasn't, he hasn't done much in a while. Um. You know, he's coming off for retirement. A win over him really doesn't do much for me. I really do want to put myself back in title contention. I'd rather fight a guy who's uh, up in the rankings more. You know, I'm not a, I'm not completely opposed to it. I'm not also, I'm also not – I'm not really – I haven't put too much thought into it. I'm not really sure what makes the most sense right now. I got to, you know, sit down with my coaches, figure out what's my real plan moving forward and what that fight would do for me and some other options out there. But, you know, he's been out for a while. I just fought a no-name guy, tough mother effer from Dagestan, and I got my hand raised, you know. Um, really, you know, tough situation to be in. So for him to just come right back and have a fight against me, you know, a big, big fight, gotta, he should put some work in. Oh, okay. You know? Maybe a Brunson then? Brunson, I think, it could be a good option for me. Okay. You know, so- because I think he's ranked high, higher. He's, he's coming up a good win over uh, Edmund. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that might be one of the best fights he's had. And I was actually happy for Brunson, you know, because you know, I watched Edmund fight and um, I think he has potential, but I also knew that Brunson had the potential to put it on him. And to see him fulfill that was, was good. I was happy for him because he's been through a lot. Um, but that might be a fight I'm interested in. I think that, that might make more sense for me right now than like just a big super fight thing, really, that doesn't do much for me. Um, me and Luca, I, as long as I, I do want to fight Luca again. Let me just put that out there. I just don't know timing-wise what the best thing to do is. Uh, last question. Uh, you're now a part of Vayner Sports. Gary V, how about yeah, this? Man. Are you, are you a big yeah, Gary V fan? I saw him give you a shout-out. He is super motivated. He's a motivating guy, and uh, I just got connected with him uh, thanks to Lloyd Pearson. And uh, I'm just I'm, – I'm really excited about this. I, I feel like management has always been an issue for me throughout my whole mm. career. And I feel like I'm in great hands uh, with Lloyd Pearson and now going o- him going over to Vayner Sports and being with Gary Vee and his brother AJ. Um, these are guys who I, I feel like are going to be very impactful for me in my, in my career and also post-career. So 
I'm excited to be in a great in a great spot with management. Well, uh, congratulations on the win. I thought it was great. The only thing I didn't like was right as you were walking out, uh, they cut away to a commercial, so we didn't get the walkout song. We didn't get the Tom Petty, which was oh just, really? Yeah, it was bummer. Like we come got like we got like a second of it, and then they cut to commercial. Like, come on, it's Coleman event. People like, love that. I know. I was really bummed. I felt empty inside, but uh, very happy for you and your family. Uh, good luck with the move to South Carolina. Thank you. And uh, good luck with the, you know, everything going on the management. And I know it could be very uh, hectic, but hey, you got the W, so that should feel uh, that should feel great, and that should uh, help ease the pain of all of this. So great to see you back in the winter circle, my man. Congrats, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, buddy. Always great talking to you. Um, have a good one, man. No, he won't back down. No, he won't back down. You can turn him now, dapper, dan, dapper. I mean, one of the all-time great walkouts. One of the all-time great walkouts, and we were robbed of it on Saturday. Couldn't believe it. I was so excited for it. And then, boom, they went to commercial break. Are you kidding me? Chris Weidman fights. You got to show his walkout, okay? Never again. Never again. All right, time now for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time for TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. And as always, it is brought to you by Modelo, setting the gold standard for authentic Mexican beer since 1925. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. Ariel, I want to uh, give a tip this week to the younger minimalists out there. This is advice that I think works for everyone, but especially the younger minimalists out there. So uh, I took some advice a couple weeks ago and was advised to open up some savings accounts, which something that I'm 24, my friends, we don't really talk about investing or no one really thinks about it. But I've been told that, you know, as a a young person, you should invest early and it will pay dividends for you way later on in your life, especially when you want to retire. And so how this ties into minimalism is that obviously when you are investing, you are taking money out of your own paycheck. And if you can afford to do it, if you are so lucky to be able to, uh, to do that, and I would just say this also, you should always make time for saving and for investing, no matter how much you make, no matter how much, no matter how little. I think that is just sound advice for anyone, no matter how much you make. So um, what this does for you is by deliberately taking that money out of your paycheck and investing it, you are then learning how to live with less. And you can see, okay, maybe I don't need to spend on this thing because I've now allocated it to investing. Maybe I don't need this as much. And that is what minimalism is all about, is choosing what is important, reshifting your priorities, reshaping what is important to you. So that's my advice, especially for the younger people. Applies to everyone, but especially my my young folk. Wow. We get minimalist advice. We get economic advice. We get investment advice out of you. I mean, a true jack of all trades over there, TST. Well done. Thank you, Ariel. Uh, I have no tips for you. You need a lot. I'm sorry. Uh, I hear wow. you're going through, through some eye problems. I also have some eye issues myself, but I don't have any advice there. I don't have any reviews either this week. I'm sure they're all five stars, but I have a review for you. Uh, I love what you had to say about DC. Uh, I myself feel emotional being with DC through this entire fight camp. Obviously, you've been with him way longer than I have, but I will be emotional watching this fight, so I can only imagine what it'll be like for you. Yeah, uh, I think uh, that that's the same for Corporate Jake and everyone else who's involved with the show. He has a great ability to make you feel like you're a part of the team right off the bat, right? Like even little things at the end of his um, quote-unquote interview on Monday, the fact that he mentioned all of you guys, he, he just he just has that ability to uh, to draw you in. And 
uh, we have been through a lot, a lot of ups and downs, obviously covering his career, but um, now to see it come to an end, there's, there's emotion involved in that anytime it's the end. And it's just so rare. Like I said, on Monday, we rarely know going into the final game, match, fight, whatever for an athlete, we rarely know that it is definitively the end. And at this point, I feel like this is the end. Uh, sometimes there are whispers, sometimes there are rumors, whatever, but he has said it time and again. And oh, by the way, he's fighting for the biggest prize in the sport, the heavyweight title in the main event of a pay-per-view. This doesn't happen. And so I would say to everyone, appreciate it, enjoy it. And for many years, I told you all that you will miss Daniel Cormier when he is gone, that he will go down as one of the greatest fighters of all time. If he wins on Saturday, there there are no ifs, ands, or buts, but regardless of what happened on Saturday, uh, what happens on Saturday, he will go down as one of the greatest in my opinion. Appreciate this man one last time uh, because his career is something special. To do what he did at heavyweight and light heavyweight, it's uh, it's going to be hard to replicate that. And so the final chapter ends on Saturday. You can uh, watch it on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. By the way, I'll be on the radio from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, iHeartRadio, and you can just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio, and you can hear me talking to a whole bunch of people from 1 to 4 getting you set for UFC 252. As always, we appreciate you guys rating, downloading, subscribing, reviewing, all that stuff and more. Give us a good five stars, why don't you? As we get set for the final fight, the last stand, as I incorrectly called it at the beginning of our little journey here, but I kind of like that. The last stand. As opposed to the last stand, it's the last stand. It's DC's last stand against one of the greatest in the heavyweight division, Stipe Miocic. It goes down on Saturday. I can't wait. I know you can't wait. I know you will enjoy it. I will as well, and we'll talk about it on Monday. For now, though, I'll talk to you later. Enjoy the fights. Thanks, as always. I love you all. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.